0: Welcome to World Footprints Radio, the show where we celebrate responsible travel, culture, and heritage. Featuring your hosts, Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick. Now, World Footprints Radio.
1: Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to World Footprints, the multi-award winning show for travelers by travelers. I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick. Today, we take you to Birmingham, Alabama, the magic city as we walk in the footsteps of the people and visit the places of the civil rights struggle that took place in the city and introduce you to some of the icons of Birmingham's tremendous music legacy.
2: Thanks, dear. Henry Gipp Gibson has been bringing people together through music for more than 60 years by inviting musicians to play in his backyard in front of a few hundred of his friends at Gipp's place in nearby Bessemer. Gipps places the last Duke joint in the state, and we sit down with the legendary Mr. Gipps as he shares some of his wisdom from his life's journey, a journey shaped by faith, music, and a love of people.
3: We uh, come together for the <laughs> and mm-hmm. knives and rocks on, some pop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. we just tell them all that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Downtown Birmingham is the home of the Civil Rights Heritage Trail. Kelly Ingram Park was the staging area for many of the demonstrations that took place in Birmingham, led by Dr. Martin Luther King, Reverend Fred Shuttlesworth, and others. We will take you to the park where African Americans confronted Jim Crow-era violence with nonviolent civil disobedience and forever changed the course of history in the 1960s. Teacher and tour guide Barry McNeely takes us through Kelly Ingram Park and through the heart of downtown where we learn of the musical legends from this area and explore the city's 4th Avenue North District, the historical, cultural, and economic center for African Americans in Birmingham when segregation made this the city's Little Harlem.
0: As the young people left the doors of St. Paul's Methodist Church and the 15th Street Baptist Church, they were confronted by the lengths of police officers and firefighters under the direction of Bull Connor.
2: Finally, we will honor the memory of Dr. Frank Adams, Sr., this legendary Birmingham musician and music educator whom we met on our visit to the Alabama Jazz Hall of Fame, passed away recently at age 86. A charter member of the Hall of Fame, inducted in 1978, Doc Adams, as he was affectionately known, loved to play the sax and clarinet, Love to teach and love sharing stories from performing with some of the greatest names in jazz, such as Duke Ellington. We were honored to have spent time with this legendary Birmingham jazz man as we took what would turn out to be one of his last tours and musical sets that he would conduct at the Hall of Fame. We are honored to share some of his music, as we will throughout the show, as a tribute, as well as some of the stories from the life of Doc Adams as he shared with us on our Birmingham journey. I
4: remember going to all those places... When I was young, so you know, I traveled to Duke, Eddleton, and I thought, while a lot of others, you know. And I was on sort of old time, and I was going down all day.
2: We hope you'll enjoy the history and the legendary figures from our Birmingham journey. I'm Ian Fitzpatrick, and this is World Footprints. Visit and connect with us at worldfootprints.com.
1: Henry Gibson has been bringing people together through music for more than 60 years by inviting musicians to play in his backyard in front of a few hundred of his friends at Gipp's Place in nearby Bessemer. Gipp's Place is the last juke joint in the state of Alabama, and we sit down with the legendary Mr. Gipp as he shares some wisdom from his life's journey, a journey shaped by faith, music, and a love of people.
3: 60 years, mm-hmm. and I'm still learning people, that's but w- that's we, good. we, uh, come with each other gun fights, and mm-hmm. knife cutting. rock rocks on, and pop, mm-hmm. yeah. we just tell them all, that's my no color here, everybody come here, they have people, and when they stand, they to stand, that's color. Mm-hmm. Because I'm going And when we are here, we, we got to share. Now ain't nobody present. If you were without the way or to share anything, the only thing we got to share contained the time. So,
5: it's easy to We
1: visited a, um, the Lowe's Mill Art uh, warehouse or our art district in um, Huntsville. Huntsville, Alabama, and there is a gentleman who made guitar or cigar guitars, cigar box guitars. Have you played one of those before? I don't know.
3: Wait, now I I don't know to with you, but the guitars that I have in now, now, I I got three up on the stage. I got one, I, I know you got one because you got my name on it. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. You see, it's
2: very pleasant. Yes, I do.
3: I know. He <laughs> <laughs> <I, I> <laughs> <laughs> got my name on it, I do it like that. And uh, I got one, and it was here to me mm-hmm. about Jim Denton. He just came in here and he just auctioned him to give it to me. And there. And uh, he gave me some of too. And there's other box also, right now, it's a tall.
1: pole.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm.
1: And you had a guitar from Chuck Berry. Ooh, I
3: uh, Well, now, they didn't want me to have that before he got burned. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a box I love, mm. and I never known to have a box like that. That's the only box that got wet coming mm. out of Detroit. And when that boss got wet, man, I didn't even know he had the trunk. I had a tire when I got a homeboy and I stopped and, and he caught behind me and he stopped. He said, you have the truck? I told him, yeah. I said, I got a flat tire and I got no jack. He said, well, wait, you can. He was like that. He went to see what was in. He had no wild I on I I think he's truck. He wanted to look in the truck anyway. So, <laughs> he said, okay, open the trunk. I opened the trunk, looking down. you sure ain't got any no jack. I don't know what you were looking for.
5: Mm-hmm. And
3: he went and got his jack. He jacked it up for me. then he looked at the guitar. he told me, I said, you know what? I a lot of luck. I said, what? We got this guitar here for of water. So he took their name her. Mm-hmm. it.' And he saw it. And you got this kind of guitar. And he was full of water. I thought it wouldn't be no good. I brought that guitar here and lived there about three or four days, and man, got back just like it was. So, some cone knobs, and everything.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: he had took Berry on it. And I had met another friend that had given me one of his little cheat stores, but he had a change. I didn't know you could. Bro would put in your like that. And that was Little Richard. <laughs> <laughs> and Little Richard was schooled with my niece. That, you know, And he made that song about my niece, Lucia. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> was <so> sweet. yeah. <laughs> made that song about Lucia. And I, I didn't even know and he never did get a change other to get of here. But when i go to Detroit, he would be at my brother's house. We would just go from my brother's house. He had out school. We would go over to And that's And that was my favorite. Going haste, Hastings over there, going to the and, and my brother was just out the main arbor crew, he had the after arbor hmm He was about three, he was on the Quantra.
1: Where did you go in Detroit? That's my hometown. Huh? I'm from Detroit.
3: Uh, De- well, I'm going to go back to the Now, my sister and things up there, we'd be caring with us up there, Henry and them, and my brother James, Jip he just come back here uh he said he'll be with for surely more thirty years, thirty three years, three years. And he he, he just come back to him about maybe a month and a half ago or two months. Hmm. And he didn't move back.
1: My my grandfather no. I'm sorry. Go ahead. My my grandfather, Johnny Johnson, was the only person in michigan to have at one point to sell black music and clothing and everything he was very very popular magic johnson used to hang out at my grandfather's record shop i didn't know magic johnson Johnson used to hang out at my grandfather johnny johnson's record shop okay well you ever hear of him in michigan
3: uh, I didn't stay there too long. Okay. You know, I was just there. I'm going to California and Boston and Connecticut and things I was just there. Mm-hmm.
1: Is Robert Johnson in relation to you? With B- BET? Not that I know of. I don't think so.
3: <laughs>
1: now, now, Robert Johnson
3: travels all around through there, too. And he was just terrible. He stayed a while there. And that's how I got changed to meet uh, Betty Guy. Mm hmm. Okay. Mm hmm. Well, I met him before the first time I ever met but Guy was here. And then we met again, we came up to here again about six, seven months ago, maybe eight months ago. hmm. And I just left some things that he did. Uh, after you got his bill and pay you first thing, and like he wanted to forget. But you don't, forget, you don't you know, I don't care what you get. Mm-hmm. If you don't have nothing you don't know, you don't forget to keep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All the, all this came up was wrong. We law was wrong when I was coming. Mm-hmm. What I know is he knows, what I know is his dad to die. Trying for him to not to know. B.B. King did the same thing and made me one with him. B.B. King? Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. It's all right. After I told him again, he I got the letter down and get the thing. He wrote, told me, I'll come out to Memphis. I I, I didn't, so he gave me an invitation to come to his birthday. Mm -hmm. Now I had about two months or three months ago. It hasn't been that long. He was down here in Green Mississippi, where he was down there, a dinner. And he was asking me to come out there and spend three days with him. But I had to go and have a first, you know, And Some of the guys were like, you're ready to lose your eyes. You go down there, you be with me, you can was days. Well, I didn't wait till Asia, you come back next year. Later, that told me a lot more people. He had a little bit of going out there. said, ah, he was right. Mm-hmm. And he, and, and he and you take my eyes and operate and look for them, cover it. Mm-hmm. And I am would admit, he see up drop and drop sign. But they, they, they knew. They knew. They
1: knew. They knew. They have had a very full and blessed life very full and blessed life. What what does this mean to you? When people come out and enjoy your music, and you get to play. Mister, you, I, I, I really don't
3: care if I this thing. But just get the people together.
1: Mister mm-hmm. Gibb Gibson, thank you so much.
3: God bless you any time you're calm, you come here. All of you, as God, get all together.
1: Amen. And we'll see you soon. Thank you. After the break, we'll take a walk on the Birmingham Civil Rights Trail. As
0: the young people left the doors of St. Paul's Methodist Church and the 16th Street Baptist Church, they were confronted by a phalanx of police officers and firefighters under the direction of Will Connor.
1: Next, is World Footprints continues. Hi, my name is Vicki Ashford, and I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. Whenever you get a chance, please listen to World Footprints with Tanya and Ian.
0: is a major threat to our country's wildlife. I'm Tom Barry, and I'm an actor reaching out with the Humane Society Wildlife Land Trust, which works with private landowners to protect wildlife, preserve natural habitats, and create permanent sanctuaries. To learn more, call
4: 800-729-SAVE or visit org. Thank you.
5: Hi, I'm James from Pretoria, Gauteng, in South Africa. I love listening to you, and I want you to support Iron Antonio at World Footprint Radio. It is exciting.
2: Welcome back to World Footprints. I'm Ian Fitzpatrick. Downtown Birmingham is the home of the Civil Rights Heritage Trail. Kelly Ingram Park was the staging area for many of the demonstrations that took place in Birmingham, led by Dr. Martin Luther King, Reverend Fred Shuttlesworth, and others. We will take you to the park where African Americans confronted Jim Crow-era violence with nonviolent civil disobedience and forever changed the course of history in the 1960s. Teacher and tour guide Barry McNeely takes us through Kelly Ingram Park and through the heart of downtown Birmingham where we learn of the musical legends from the area and explore the city's 4th Avenue North District, the historic cultural and economic center for African Americans in Birmingham, when segregation made this Birmingham's Little Harlem.
0: Well, we're now entering Kelly Ingram Park from the 6th Avenue North, 16th Street side. This would have been the entrance that would have been most associated with the Civil Rights Movement because, of course, as the young people left the doors of St. Paul's Methodist Church and the 16th Street Baptist Church, they were confronted by a phalanx of police officers and firefighters under the direction of Bull Connor, as they came out into the hundreds and the thousands. they spilled over into this park, and this park became a battleground as well on uh d day which was may second nineteen sixty three As we begin to walk into this park, we can see there are a number of things around us that are representative that uh, the history, a uh, representative of the history that is being told here. Uh, a quick look down again at your feet. Our feet are kind of special today. But when you look at your feet, you see a brick pattern. This brick pattern is taken from the lyrics of a song that was sang at movement meetings. And the movement meetings were held here to discuss uh, what was going on in the community, uh, how those things needed to be handled, uh, who was going to handle it, financial, wherewithal, the things of that nature. But at those movement meetings, they would preach, uh, they would give offerings, they would sing. And one of the songs that they sang, it simply said in the end, yellow, black, brown, or white, we're all the same in God's sight. And if you look at the brick pattern, you see that that's reflected there. And that's reflected here as we walk through the park. It's also reflected across the street in front of the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute and in front of the 16th Street Baptist Church as well. And this denotes this idea that this is a district that tries to bring people together, just like the movement tried mm. to bring people together. As we walk into the park, you see that it's a place of revolution. Well, there was a revolutionary battle fought here. This battle wasn't fought with cannons and muskets, however. It was fought with a strong adherence. To the ideals of faith and nonviolence. But it also says it's a place of reconciliation. The first thing we encounter is a rose garden that was planted in this park symbolically by the First Lady of the city of Birmingham, Alabama. She planted that rose garden there in honor of Coretta Scott King last year on the 50th anniversary of the Civil Rights Movement in Birmingham. Well, next to the rose garden dedicated to Coretta Scott King is a statue of her husband, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Dr. Martin Luther King is going to come to Alabama and start his career as a civil rights leader here during the Montgomery bus boycott. But he's going to go back to Atlanta once he's being pulled in so many different directions. He has to make a decision. Is he going to be able to be a pastor and a civil rights leader? Well, the eventual decision is is that he'll resign his pastorate at Dexter, and he'll go back to Ebenezer in Atlanta with his father. He'll take on a co-pastorate. This co-pastorate allows Dr. King to be in the pulpit when he can, but also to have time to be a civil rights leader. Well, Dr. King is going to call on Reverend Fred Shuttlesworth, Bayard Rustin, and Ralph Abernathy, and they're going to get together in 1957 And they're going to form an organization called the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. The Southern Christian Leadership Conference is going to be more regional in scope than the Alabama Christian Movement for Human Rights. Ultimately, King is going to be called in 1961 to Albany, Georgia. When he goes to Albany, Georgia, he's going to confront Laurie Pritchett, who is the sheriff there. Laurie Pritchett has studied the movement, and he feels that he's best qualified to stymie Dr. King, and one of the things that he does is is he avoids confrontation with Dr. King. Well, from 61 to 62, Dr. King is not able to affect the changes that he wants in Albany, Georgia. Even going to jail in Albany doesn't work for Dr. King. So finally, he leaves Dr. King, and he comes to Birmingham, Alabama to the SCLC convention a month later. Um, And this is the summer of 1962. Well, he and Reverend Fred Shuttlesworth talk. And Fred Shuttlesworth tells him, you had a wonderful idea in Albany, Georgia. You just were in the wrong place. What you should do is come to Birmingham. And Dr. King agrees because in Birmingham, Alabama, you have not Laurie Pritchett, but you have Eugene Theopolis Connor, who has made a name for himself by being willing to use any means at his disposal to maintain the status quo which is a stratified society along the lines of race now the most dramatic day of project c as i mentioned earlier had to have been may 2nd 1963. this is the day that they designated as demonstration day or d-day so when we start talking about d-day these young people came out to these churches they left those churches and they came through various different routes some of these young people who left those churches headed towards this park. some of the people headed towards the lunch counters downtown some of the people headed towards the municipal district and the jefferson county courthouse they even took different routes some of the teenagers were told Don't go out of the church doors at all. You stay back. We're gonna send you out of the rear doors of the churches. We're gonna send you away from the demonstrations, let you get to other areas downtown, and then you can demonstrate. Well, while these things are going on, Eugene Theopolis Connor is making records in terms of arresting young people. The first day alone, he's gonna arrest over 800 young people. He's gonna arrest so many young people that he's going to have to call on the Jefferson County Board of Education to send school buses down here to put these kids in and ride them around the city of Birmingham so they can find a place to lock them up. Well, if D-Day is good, double D-Day has to be better. And so the next day, many more students came down. And by this time, everybody knows, especially Bull Connor, they don't have the capacity to lock these people up. There's just not enough doors, there's not enough rooms, there's not enough buildings. They've got young people locked up at their municipal auditorium. They've got people locked up at the 4-H dormitories. They've got people locked up at the fairgrounds and the pig pens, not to mention the jail. So the next day, Double D Day, the idea is disperse the young people, break up the demonstrations. This is when Bull Connor employs the use of high-powered water hoses. And these high-powered water hoses, take about 77 pounds of pressure squeezed into a square inch to function. Bull Connor has ordered that these hoses be turned up above 100 pounds of pressure per square inch. When these young people confront these water hoses as we stand here in this memorial, this memorial shows us two water cannons and these two water cannons are directed at these two demonstrators. These two demonstrators, as you can see, the young lady has her face and her back turned against the force of the hoses. The young man has been knocked to his knees and is trying to recover. You see, the demonstrators testified that the force of these water hoses was great enough to knock you off of your feet. If you were a person that was about 120 pounds or less, you could send you flying. These water hoses, the demonstrators testified, When it hit them it felt like being hit with a million needles at one time because of the force and the friction that it would create reverend fred shuttlesworth having the brilliant idea of telling some of the students to leave and go out of the back door of the churches he's outsmarted bull connor bull connor doesn't take that kindly so while fred shuttlesworth is standing on the stairs of the 16th street baptist church bull connor orders the fire department to direct their hoses on the church stairs, and they hit Fred Shuttlesworth. Fred Shuttlesworth was never a very big man at all. Those hoses, they hit him, and they pick him up, and they bounce him against the stairs of the 16th Street Baptist Church with such force that he has to be hospitalized with internal injuries to his ribs. Yet, the demonstrators do not give up. They're not deterred. They still keep coming in significant numbers. But these water hoses, are going to be seen, not just in Birmingham, not just in Alabama. The use of these water hoses is going to be seen around the globe. And this is going to cause people to weigh in on this battle that's going on in the city of Birmingham, Alabama. Right this way. Now, the next thing we stop at as we walk through this park, and I should mention, this walk that we're walking on, as a part of the new design of this park, it's been dubbed as Freedom Walk. But the next thing we encounter on Freedom Walk is we encounter a horse chestnut tree. This horse chestnut tree has been planted here and it has this plaque here to represent the idea that this is dedicated to Anne Frank. But not just to Anne Frank, in a larger sense, this is dedicated to what took place during the Nazi occupation in World War II in Europe when we start to consider this we have to consider that Adolf Hitler (laughs) sent agents to the United States of America to study the Jim Crow South and what he does with that study is he has a group of laws created known as the Nuremberg Laws that are going to marginalize Jewish people under his control now these Nuremberg Laws are very similar to Jim Crow laws, and not only are they similar, they're a part of the same story, and it reminds us that this is not a story about black versus white. This is a story about man's ability to be inhumane to other men, and that story could be seen in Rwanda, that story could be seen in Cambodia, that story could be seen in Bosnia, that story could be seen right here in the streets of Birmingham, Alabama. As we walk down Freedom Walk, if you look over to your left, by the 17th Street entrance to the park, you see a large stone. That large stone is affixed there, and it carries the name of Kelly Ingram, who this park is named after today. This park was originally named West Park as a part of a publicity stunt to try to get the city to build itself around the western area as far as the industrialists saw the city of Birmingham. Well, after World War II is over, They renamed West Park in honor of Kelly Oslin Ingram, who was the first Alabamian to be killed in World War I. Now, the interesting thing about that is this park is very well associated with African American history and the Civil Rights Movement. Well, when they began to talk about outfitting this park with the memorials that we see today, Some people also voiced the idea that they should change the name of the park to be more representative of its African-American heritage. Well, they left the park in terms of validity. They left it named Kelly Ingram. But if we look directly to the opposite side of the park, we see memorials that are dedicated to notable African-Americans from Birmingham. One of those African-Americans is a lady by the name of Carrie A. Tuggle. She is the mother of black education in Birmingham, Alabama. She founded the first orphanage for black boys in this city. After a while, her orphanage became known as the the Tuggle Institute. And the Tuggle Institute became the first elementary school for African Americans in this city. Another person that is memorialized in that corner is a man by the name of Julius Ellsbury. And Julius Ellsbury is the first African American killed from Birmingham in World War II. Let me get you to come right this way. Today in the center of Kelly Ingram Park, as you can see, there are people. They're here, they're enjoying the park, uh, they're enjoying the view. And here we have a fountain. And this fountain is a fountain of four. And this fountain represents the four corners of the world that this park is said to have affected. Uh, this fountain also is re- reminds us of the four little girls who were killed in the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing. As we continue to walk through Freedom Walk, we come to another memorial. And this exhibition is dedicated to the young people who were arrested. And as we see, as we step inside, we see text. We see two children standing here. And they're standing above a statement. And the statement simply says, defiantly says, I ain't afraid of your jail. Now, opposite them and upside down, we see the phrase segregation is a sin. And what we could say about these young people is, is that they turned the jails in the city of Birmingham, Alabama, upside down. When we tend to think of a jail, we tend to think of a place of fear. We tend to think of a place of shame. These young people were not afraid to be arrested. In fact. The DJs on the radio stations in Birmingham, Alabama, would speak in code to the young people and tell them things like, come down to the park for a party and make sure you bring your toothbrush. Well, to adults, that meant nothing. But to young people, it meant you're not going home. And since you're not going home, you must be going to jail. So these young people, when they came here, they were not surprised by the idea that they were going to jail. They expected to go to jail. More than expected, they wanted to go to jail. When they arrived in the jails, they tried to make life as uncomfortable for them as possible. They made the children sleep on concrete floors. The kids that slept in the pig dens had it even worse off than that. They fed these kids the bare minimum of what they could give them. Sometimes they would release these children. And we're talking about children now. We're talking about 12, 13, 11 years old, some 14, 15. But they would release these children in the middle of the night and tell them to find their own way home through a city like Birmingham, Alabama that was really a violent intense tense place in terms of race relations. So try to imagine being 11, 12 years old and having to walk from somewhere all the way home without being able to call and tell people that you're coming. They did these kinds of things to intimidate these young people. But once again, they weren't afraid. Many of these young people, when they were released, They would come right back to the park the next day, get arrested, and go back. In terms of shame, these demonstrators recently were asked whether or not they wanted to have their records expunged for having been arrested as a part of this activity. Overwhelming majority of these people said, no, leave it. We want it. We're proud to have gone to jail for the cause of righteousness. And so they weren't ashamed to have gone to jail. So when we see this exhibition, and it says segregation is a sin, and the jail is literally upside down, we can honestly say these young people, these 8,570 young people, these young people turned those jails upside down. And because of them, the city of Birmingham is going to be forced to confront itself in terms of confronting itself the next thing that we see is probably one of the most dramatic images from the civil rights movement this image was front page news in Birmingham, Alabama in Moscow and in Washington, D.C. This image taken by an Associated Press photographer is the image of a young teenager being attacked by a Birmingham police dog while a Birmingham police officer restrains him. Now this image is said to have caused President John F. Kennedy to say it made him sick. This image is one of the things that is credited with having John F. Kennedy to call for the Civil Rights Act. Of course, John F. Kennedy doesn't live to see that act signed because he's going to be assassinated, but this image, this powerful image, is one that could not be ignored. It could not be um explained away. This was clearly a case of good versus evil, right versus wrong, and in the end of the day, the question is, you know what side are you on and as we look at this image, we can't go any further without saying that it is today what we call the Foot Soldier Memorial. And the Foot Soldier Memorial talks about those people whose last names weren't Park, King, Young, Abernathy, these Shuttlesworth. It talks about these people whose names we'll never know. The hundreds of them, the thousands of them who made themselves cannon fodder for the civil rights movement. And so when we look at that image, We remember their sacrifices.
2: As we left Kelly Ingram Park, I raised this question, connecting the civil rights struggle in the United States to that in South Africa. Barry, just just one out of the box. Have uh, you given this this tour or had people from South Africa take this uh, walk through Birmingham with you who may have been involved in the apartheid movement there or know about that?
0: Um, Actually, one of my proudest moments is the Civil Rights Institute was sought out by the United the US Department of State and they were sought out because they were trying to make a connection between museums abroad and museums here and the museum that they picked was the apartheid museum in the Nelson Mandela house in South Africa well the apartheid museum and the Nelson Mandela House wanted to partner with the Civil Rights Institute. And what they did is is we created a program called the International Legacy Youth Leadership Project. And what we did is we took 10 Birmingham students to Johannesburg. And we spent uh, about two weeks there with them. But the most amazing part for me is we brought 10 South African students back to Birmingham with us. Mm-hmm. And we took them through all of this history that we're talking about right now. Mm-hmm. We also took them to Montgomery. We also took them to Selma. We took them to Atlanta, Georgia. And we shared this history with them. So it went back and forth. Whereas they talked about Oliver Tombo, we talked about Fred Shuttleworth. Mm-hmm. Whereas they talked about Nelson Mandela, we talked about Martin Luther mm-hmm. King. And we actually had our first Mandela Day celebration. Mm-hmm. Here in the city of Birmingham, Mm -hmm. and we believe it or not, have a number of South Africans that make Birmingham, Alabama, their home today. Okay, and so they came out to the Nelson Mandela celebration.
2: Yeah, wonderful. This this uh, tour, particularly through the Civil Rights Institute, reminded me of going through the Apartheid Museum. Mm -hmm. It was as powerful as that one was for me back in uh,
0: 2006, no doubt,
2: when we did that and. So uh, that's why I asked that question. And it's it's, it's interesting to me that uh, today, when I, you know, going through this, I just had so many reflections about Johannesburg and Birmingham, the, the two cities, one built on mining gold. And one built
0: on mining <laughs> black gold.
2: Yeah. coal Yeah. And uh, the same universal struggle there. Uh, the fact that we now come come here and fly into Birmingham and to Birmingham Shuttlesworth International Airport, just as we do in Johannesburg and yeah, to I the o r Tambo.
0: Yeah, I, I I thought that was amazing, yeah, when we landed there, and I saw the name of the airport <laughs> the, the similarities and the parallels are are just powerful,
2: yeah,
5: yeah, you know
0: i, I felt a tug in my heart when Mandela passed, because I thought to myself. You know, what they had was they had Abraham Lincoln and Martin Luther King all wrapped up into one, Mm -hmm. and then they had to lose it. Mm -hmm. That must be powerful to them. Yeah. Well, we have now arrived at the Eddie Kendrick Memorial. Uh, Birmingham, Alabama, just like most of the South, uh, was a thriving place. And when we start thinking about entertainment, a lot of the times we think about Detroit, we think about Motown. But we have to think about Birmingham, Alabama. We have to think about New Orleans, Louisiana. Music didn't start in Detroit. Uh, Most of this music, when you think about WC Handy (laughs) and all of these people, (laughs) these people are from the South. Uh, When we think about Pat Singleton and we think about the uh, Great Migration, we think about in the 1920s and 30s how African Americans left the South, left the South for more opportunities. Well, one of our most famous sons is Eddie Kendricks, And Eddie Kendricks was debatably the voice of the temptation. But even if you wanted to go so far as to say, well, you know, nobody knew wasn't was David Ruffin. Well, David Ruffin was not from Detroit, David Ruffin was not from the North. He was from a little place called Wyatt, Mississippi. And if you start looking at the rest of your original Temptations, you can see, for example, Melvin Franklin is from Montgomery, Alabama. You can see that Paul Williams is from Birmingham, Alabama. And when David Russin became David Russin, he was replaced in the Temptations by a man named Dennis Edwards. Dennis Edwards, as you can see, looking right over here, Dennis Edwards is from Birmingham, Alabama. So it's altogether fitting that here, on this corridor, where we used to have concerts by Dizzy Gillespie, um, Kev Calloway, Duke Armstrong, uh, Duke Ellington Department. All of these people would be here at the Bob Savoy's Cafe. They would come down here to Willie Mays's restaurant. They would go to the 4th Avenue, I mean, they would go to the Colored Masonic Pimple. This area was a jumping place.
2: An institution on 4th Avenue North. The Alabama College of Barber Instruction, where we met Clinton Simpson Sr., who in 1979 founded this college.
0: They congregate. The issues of the day, before they get to city Hall, before they get to the board meeting. they're here. And they're hashed out and they're here. And then it moves, and that, that same spirit, where people come together and they talk, it vibrates throughout the city. But all of these storefronts that you see,
6: they share that in common. Oh, yeah. I got a classroom back to go, Bill.
4: You're it back isn't you? I
0: get your shorts on for work. They're home. But I got to get them down to the coffee by 3.30, but You see, most of them, just like Brother Click, they're very proud of what they're able to do here, and they want to share it with you.
6: Well, be on Monday. Okay. Yeah, and those are some of my students. I had to be able to read Mexico. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Yes, ma'am. <laughs>
1: so you started this. Yes, ma'am. I'll be darned.
6: Yeah, I got two more shots. My son's running. Except uh, my oldest son. You knew that, didn't you? I didn't know something so great. Right yeah, now. and then right around the corner, of, uh, uh, New breed, that's my other job. No, I didn't know that no. at all. Ask him up my brother. <laughs> now you tell me. That. I can't know it. Yes, ma'am. Well, M- M- Mr. Clint, uh, what is your
1: your full name? Just Clint Simpson. Clint, okay, and Clint how long have been it? Like 51
6: years. I'm sorry? 51 years.
1: You've been running, you started this barber shop, this barber school, 51
6: years. No, ma'am, I got a brochure of that. I've been now here 51 years.
5: Okay.
6: And uh, I've been running. Uh, my school by twenty two years. Yes, ma'am.
5: And you have had people from all over the world.
6: Yeah,
0: look on the wall over there. Um oh on down the fata. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. And could could you elaborate a little I was trying to tell them on how the Fourth Avenue because of what took place I believe mm-hmm. um remodeled and they would come back to life. Yes, talk uh, cool. a little bit
6: about that. Yeah. Uh, uh did, did you ask because When Mayor Andrews was first, when they met, I was the first one to buy a building down here. You know what what we was able to to do is, uh, if your financial status were up to par, and you had the first choice, if you were ready to buy the building, and I'm the first one. Okay. Yes, sir. And uh, now
0: everybody on this old block on the the place on their own business. And see that is a part of what we call the American drink. Oh yeah. And it, it's right here alive on Fourth right. Avenue. Right here. Yeah. <laughs> that's right, because uh,
6: Mr Hornbuckle, that's where I started back in sixty three. He uh is L fell you know he owned about five buildings on the same block. At Magic City. hmm Yes sir. I started in fifth and in uh, sixty three he started in fifth and that Cause yeah. out here. So, uh, God be good. He's the best I know. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes, sir. Thank you very so much. Yes, that so yes, is my right. nice job. Oh, oh,
5: yeah. Thank you for and Tell them where you go. the shop Oh,
0: <laughs> oh! So Believe we, we, we got the barber shop. But we got something for you too. We well, uh-huh. <laughs> so got the beauty shop. Yeah. yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs> huh. Yeah. Well, sir. Yeah, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. There it is. Yeah, thank y'all.
6: <laughs> okay. Thank yes. you for calling up around. Yes, ma'am. No problem. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. All right. I'll get you a couple of brochures of them on their way out.
5: Okay.
2: Now, how much is a haircut? Uh, $12. Off. $12. And then
6: oh. on Cheers and Winds, I cut the homes out free.
2: Oh, okay.
6: What's my student going to say? Cheers and Winds, they do
5: those ones. <laughs> cut <laughs> the Cut the
0: homes and cheers and winds. Oh, yeah, really? and that's uh, the way the students get their
5: practice. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Your heart is in the right place.
6: Really? Well,
5: that's why he's the busy. Busy. Wait, oh. to on my rock Okay,
6: we'll share. Uh, I lift, y'all? Okay, thank you thanks. very much. We
0: have a good one. Yes, I'll be back after to you. Okay, thanks for letting me Ralph. No, no, okay. no, no. Thank you for being so humble, gracious, and also for giving That's what a lot
3: of people here to do. Are they at the uh, Hall of Fame? Yeah, they probably drove up, but they're not going
0: to start without so. us. Last thing that I'm going to say before I turn you over to the capable hands of Dr. Adams is not only is this place a symbol in Birmingham but Green Acres Chicken that you see right here Green Acres Chicken has made a mark throughout the country Reuben Stutter Mm -hmm. who is our American idol comes here to eat but not only does Reuben Stutter come here to eat Steve Harvey Mm -hmm. uh, the Steve Harvey show awarded this the hoodie Awards (laughs) for the best fried chicken in the country so (laughs) we do what we can And all of this, every window, every door you look in, you are just as likely to see the owner as you are just to see somebody who Mm -hmm. works here. And like I said a second ago, that is the essence of what we call the American dream. And all of this started with this being an area where only blacks could do business. Now, that's the Masonic Temple. I I said that was the last thing I was going to say to you. But I want you to look up to that flagpole. What do you read at the top of that flagpole?
2: Colored Masonic Temple. So
0: whenever we kind of forget that these things happened, that building is still there to remind us that there was a time when we were called color,
4: just like the movie said. Coming
2: up, a tribute to Birmingham jazz legend Dr. Frank Adams Sr.
4: I remember going to all those places when I was young, I was Duke you know. was on an old time I was on
5: Okay.
2: Next as World Footprints continues.
5: Hi, this is your girl Kathy here in Birmingham. Whenever you guys get a chance, for sure you gotta listen to World Footprints. My girl Tanya, my man Ian, listen to them. Happy Holidays, everybody. This is Dave Koz for RAD, recording artists, actors, and athletes against drunk driving. When you're traveling during the holidays and see someone who's had too much to drink about to get behind the wheel of their car, get the car keys. Your friends will thank you for it, because friends don't let friends drive drunk.
2: A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hi, this is James K from Los Angeles, California. And I just want to say I've traveled all over the world. But whenever I come back home, I always tune in to World Footprints Radio.
1: Welcome back to World Footprints. I'm Tanya Fitzpatrick. Today we honor the memory of Dr. Frank Adams Sr., this legendary Birmingham musician and music educator whom we met on our recent visit to the Alabama Jazz Hall of Fame passed away only one month after our visit at the age of 86. A charter member of the Hall of Fame inducted in 1978, Doc Adams, as he was affectionately known, loved to play the sax and clarinet. He loved to teach and loved sharing stories from performing with some of the greatest names in jazz, such as Duke Ellington. We were honored to have spent time with this legendary Birmingham jazz man as we took what turned out to be one of his last tours and musical sets he would conduct at the Hall of Fame. Doc Adams offered some advice, even for Ian, to pick up his saxophone. We are honored to share some of his music as we have throughout the show as a tribute, as well as some stories from the life of Doc Adams, as he shared with us on our Birmingham now, journey.
4: Out traveling, you learn about things, and you might have some good blessings if you hear a chase song. That's my idea. That's my there was any, you're traveling uh, back and forth. And see, I'm so glad I got in to see you. And where are you from? Please, I was going I remember going to all those places when I was young. See, you know, I traveled to Duke Ellison's dance for a while and a lot of others, you know. And I was sort of old timers. I was going on, I day. on the tell The timber that day, too. You understand, really? I was here. I was there when Blue Armstrong was kicking. I got a chance to meet him and all the rest of them. And I went to Phoenix, Arizona, and just about everywhere. And I finally came home
2: with me. I nice. so I want you to get tangled up there. Right. And uh,
4: I had a good time. I still have it because I love to teach. Uh, I taught for, taught band music for maybe twenty-seven years. I supervised music for about fourteen years, you know, and I I was able to meet a lot of people, travel all over different places, and I found out that there's some good people everywhere you go, and. They love this jazz music, and I try to explain something to them. But I had some wonderful experiences in life. In fact, uh, they all called me Doc. I had a, I finished Harvard University back in, I can't think what year it was now. But it was in the 50s, 40s, in the 40s, in 49, I think I say said that. I had the experience of meeting some people from Utah and all of your places because they were very smart people. And they they came to Howard University, the biggest black recognized school in the world. And I got a chance to meet a lot of people. I had, had a chance to meet a beautiful student. Beautiful. I, uh, I guess you so I had to get some serious thoughts about it. She told me one day that Frank, I, I like you. Didn't say love. She said I like you a lot. She said I like to go out with you, and talk to you. And you said, "So what am this?" I said, "Frank, in fact, I wasn't doing too good in my lessons. Try to keep up with the Washington." grew at the university, but it had uh of the great man uh, uh not not uh uh, I'm trying to, uh supreme court justice and all that up there and uh i i
3: I just couldn't
4: make her just take over and and show the feelings I had, so she said, you know I love you, say, but you're so dumb. Dumb. I wasn't doing too good, so I started studying. Staying up at night, learning French and and all that kind of stuff. Started learning math, calculus, and trig, and all that kind of stuff. I hadn't had all that in the Southern school, you know. And I finished that school, Magna cum forty nine, we marched, and I didn't have enough learning, so I went to the University in California, went to one, and the one here, and went to three, three uh, colleges, and then I went uh, to the University of Alabama, and I got all those different degrees: the master's degree, the the professional degree, that the math, and ended up with the Ph.D. degree, and I just say, well, man. I don't want to stop. And he told me not to come back no more. They had taught me enough. They said, don't come back here. We're not going to give you any more degrees. (laughs) So that kind of scattered my brain, but I was able to be a supervisor and that kind of stuff. It wasn't the idea of going and getting old. It was the idea that, that that was admission to being loved by a beautiful lady, but I found out that wasn't true cause mm-hmm. she married and marriage lasted about two weeks. I got married, I my marriage, I'm still I'm married, I've been married 55 years <laughs> to my one that, you know, that was second field, but she's not second field now. Uh-huh. So that goes to show you how things can happen. Now, I played this horn not too long but I'm going to play something on it because uh, I I tried to play the saxophone I did a lot of most of my work was on saxophone on the planet with the different bands you know Muddy Waters and all that I played with the blues bands the, the modern jazz bands all that kind of stuff and I, I did it but I found out I, I was playing one night I started off playing the clarinet. I was playing one night a little in Baltimore, a little little pot-bretted house. They had a, a little dance there, you know, the tobacco place, you know. They were setting tobacco and all that kind of stuff. And they came on the weekends to this place. And they were sitting down, uh, a, a carpet, coffee, you don't know, sitting like a fireplace, you know, old, old old country fireplace, you know, put wood in there. And I, she was tapping, she, she said, uh, she said, smoke that pipe. Smoke that pipe. I was playing the saxophone. I smoke that pipe. I said, What the what is wrong with that? This is a saxophone. I I smoke that pipe. And I had done pretty well, you know, but she spoke man you smoke that pipe. Smoke that pipe. And she kicking her feet and going off. So when I got home and why I I said, What did she talk about? This is a saxophone, not a pipe. They said, Look at it's a pipe. And so what I did, I took this neck off. And I turn it up this way. Yeah, <laughs> <that's all> right. <laughs> Now, I've been blowing the clad, you know, like you say, Boat. Oh. Say, Boat. Oh, put your teeth over Lip Little your teeth. Go. Oh. Oh, that's okay. tight. But she said, smoke that pipe. And I put that pipe. I made it like as a pipe. But you don't smoke a pipe like that. You smoke a pipe like, woo.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Woo. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Smoke a pipe. And I said, fuck. Goodness I can't blow this way. (coughs) Turn it back around and the first note that I made like that I jumped out of my seat. (laughs) The whole horn came up, came came dancing in my hand. Such a sound. See I had been making a sound like or smoking that pipe. I had made a sound, let's see if I can get it. I had made a sound
1: Thank you so much for joining us for today's World Footprints Radio Show. All of our shows are archived on our website, so if you've missed a show or you want to hear our World Footprints Travel Report giving you the day's breaking travel and world news, visit worldfootprints.com. While there, click on the social media icons to follow us on your favorite social network. Also, you can now listen to World Footprints on iHeartRadio. We're Tanya and Ian Fitzpatrick, and we wish you blue skies and purposeful travel that leaves positive footprints one step at a time.
2: Hi, guys. My name is Sandy Best, the Sandy Best from Lake Louise. Where's Lake Louise? It's in Alberta.
5: Alberta's in Canada. Banff National Park. Natural beauty.
2: The only place you should go with is World Footprints Radio, because they spend their time looking at those special places that are not tourist traps, There are not thousands of people. Best on the planet, go with World Footprints Radio. This has been a presentation of World Footprints Media, all, all rights reserved.
4: I want you to have a good trip wherever you're going. And that's my little sit-out blessing, you know. For Thank you. you. Thank so you feel safe now. Thank all you. right. Thank, Thank, you. You. Thank, you. Thank you. All, all, all right. Thank you so much. much. If you like it,
5: too-